Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, your co-host. So happy to have you here. Hey y'all, we have one of our faves. I should say one of your faves because his previous interview and uh, appearance on the show is one of our highest rated shows or highest listened to shows. So he is back. We're super excited about it. He's got a brand new book that we explore. I'm talking about psychiatrist and author Kurt Thompson. He has a brand new book, The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. He is an Enneagram 4, but he's written a book for all of us. We get into some deep waters on this episode, and I'll tell you, every time I'm in Kurt's presence, I just have such a sense of welcome and uh, invitation, and uh, so grateful for him, so glad he's on the show. I'm thrilled that you're here and that you get to experience Kurt again. We're happy that you're here. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Stay tuned for the host with the most, Ian Crum. Hello, Typology friends. Ian Morgan Cron here. Welcome to our show on which for the past five or six years, we have explored the mystery of the human personality and of life through the lens of the Enneagram. Today, we have a show I have been looking forward to for weeks. <laughs> on the show, we have my good friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson, MD, mm. author of the new and amazing book, The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Mm. He is an Enneagram 4, only an Enneagram 4 could write a book <laughs> called The Deepest Place, <laughs> Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Kurt, uh, welcome, man. Oh, uh, Ian, it's always, man, just great to be back and, uh, uh, greetings to you, Anthony. Thanks for all your work that you're doing. Um, I, it's just, uh, dude, like, I just really love being in the room with you. So uh, this is, and thanks. So thank you for um, uh, inviting me. And um, thank you for that. Like, I, I, I got, I, I received your endorsement and I immediately, I summoned my wife. Mm. Uh, uh, because I, um, it was just really meaningful. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I I have a you know a tremendous affection and admiration for you. I was thinking this afternoon, this morning, uh, honestly, and about you and uh, about our time together in Scottsdale a few months ago, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. but also you know the the times that we've had together mm -hmm. um, over the years. And one of the things I felt was I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who has who radiates as much compassion mm -hmm. and empathy. Mm -hmm and uh kindness uh immediately so it's a it's a palpable mm. experience mm -hmm. for mm. me in my body not mm. just uh, mm. in, in my psyche mm. as mm. uh then then that then what mm. comes from you and mm. so that's that's why i've looked forward to this conversation because who doesn't want to be in the presence of, of someone who radiates that much concern for mm -hmm. us oh, dude oh that's so kind thank you okay wait uh hmm I'm just, I'm just taking it in. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good to be wanted because as I, as I, as I mentioned in the book, there, there is this shard of me 
this part of me. I don't know uh, what fraction of my number four that is, uh, but there is this part that really is deeply can, you know, persuaded that he's uh, unwantable. And so it's, uh, I, have, I have to practice taking in those uh, words like yours, uh, the, I have words uh, to talk to that part of me. I love when yeah, we have a, our guests model something like that right there. Yes. By the way, that's 100%. In terms of the fraction of the four, that's 100% of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. good that you just, that you asked to stop and that we could all just sit in that for a minute. I love that. That's yeah. Yeah. such a great practice. And I do want to say, I echo Ian's words and... I just want to remind our folks, we could say welcome to the show. We could also say welcome back because mm-hmm. we were blessed to have you on uh, season five, episode 22, where we talked about the Enneagram and shame. So I want to encourage folks to revisit that episode as well as what you're about to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I want to jump into this because uh, the the new book, I want to remind people, The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Uh, is is a book that I think is so incredibly important and timely, and and one in which you know I I, I resonate because mm. uh, you know I, I I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but I was driving across uh, uh, the hill country of Texas on my way to speak at Lady Lodge, mm-hmm. and which I think you were just at recently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I, I was thinking about my life's mission, and it, I decided that it was to um, help people enter into deeper conversation with the mystery of their own lives and God. Mm, And mm. part of that certainly is, uh, and has been part of my life, is trying to understand and make sense not only of my own suffering, which was a big part of my early, of my 20s, 30s, and Mm. and can come on still today, Mm, but, mm. and, and also but also helping other people do it. And this is what you're doing in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about it. Give us a praises of, of what the book is about. And then I got a bunch of questions. Mm. Well, I think I would open by saying uh, uh, to be human is to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question is not, do I? The question is, in what way do I? And perhaps for, as you know, in our, my, my friends, Jane, Catherine, Wolf, who like to say we all have disabilities, for some, it's more obvious than others. Uh, we all suffer. Uh, it's just that I'm, I'm aware that I look around uh, at being a middle-aged white guy of a certain socioeconomic uh, um, uh, status, and like I got lots of ways to protect myself against my suffering. Lots of things, and 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 and, it, and it's not it's not so. But life isn't. Like there, there are many, many beautiful things about my life that I'm so grateful for. And I'm also aware that some of those things I also simultaneously employ as ways to protect me against those parts of me that suffer. And so we are to suffer. And in fact, I will burn energy to uh, keep that out of my purview. I got lots of ways of doing that. Um, and and yet uh, we, we read, and, and, and you know, a, a, a Western way of looking at suffering is like, well, if it's there, we got to get rid of it. Got to find a way to get, get rid of it. It, It's only ever seen as a bad thing. And Eastern philosophical would maybe not be so quite, quite so condemning of it, but it still sees it as something that is a problem with the world that we need to escape from. We may not be able to get rid of it. We're going to like, we're going to kind of like find a way to not be present to it. Mm -hmm. And you read the biblical narrative and you're like, nah, actually it, it is the one story 
that takes it head on and does not only see it as a problem to be solved, but sees it as part of what God is going to use to transform us, to love us, to make us more, given the world that we actually live in, given that it's his world and our suffering, you know, we like to say that it happens for three reasons, things that happen to us, things that we do to ourselves, which perhaps is the largest part by volume, and then what it means for us to, you know, to live into a life of integration, to live into a life of wholeness, to live into a life of uh, allowing ourselves to be loved and loving other people is necessarily going to require me to strip off all kinds of things that I don't want to strip off. And there's going to be a certain suffering in that. So following Jesus is necessarily going to require, I mean, it's going to ha- suffering is going to happen as a, as a function of growth. But community, this becomes the beginning and end, right? When we look at this passage in, in, in Romans, uh, this where, where we explore, like it, my, what I do with suffering has everything to do with uh, who I am with and how we are being with one another such that the very presence of others and the very presence of Jesus through crucifixion right through into Easter and this and, and, and ascension and Pentecost and so forth, uh, how does the withness of others uh, enable the suffering that I undergo to be transformational while the suffering itself is also transformed? Mm-hmm. Um, I write in the book, you know, early on, like if I want to, like if I if if, if I'm going to pick up a book to read it on suffering, I just want the book to tell me like how can I make it stop? Like how can I read something that will help me like no longer have to do it? And that's not the point. Like we're gonna we're gonna suffer until we're dead. The question is um, how will we, how will we be in relationship to it in the process? I love mm. uh, the Carl Rahner quote. You know, uh, in the insufficiency of all things, we die unfinished symphonies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I, that's what I was thinking that triggered that thought in my mm. mind. We're all going to die as people mm. who suffer. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no, there's no way around it. When I was reading the book, I, I also thought of the thought of the alternative definition of to suffer, which is to permit or allow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, like uh, suffer the little children, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like allow mm-hmm. the little children. But and I was thinking about the the, and I realized it's a, I'm stretching the application of that definition, but that that. That suffering is something that needs to be allowed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, we suffer to the degree that we try to avoid suffering. Dude, dude, like that's that in in some respects, like that's that could be the sentence that describes the book, right? We, I mean, there mm-hmm. there's a sentence in w- there's a sense in which we, um, in my attempt to avoid it, I create it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because my one of the things that my avoidance typically includes. Certainly, it includes all the multiple addictions that I develop as a way to cut myself off from myself. Mm-hmm. But I also, in the process, cut myself off from others. Mm-hmm. And it is, and I, and I, I, I cannot flourish. I cannot be healed. I cannot be loved if I'm not allowing, if I'm not willing to allow myself to be seen by others, including yes. uh, the parts of me that um, are, are are still in pain over time, which is yeah, kind of where we, what we mean by suffering. You know, I bring this up often, but the most transformational, in many ways, the most transformational space I'm, I find myself in regularly is in a, in my 12 step community where people who share experiences of suffering and who have tried to cope with suffering through the use of the addicted use of uh, drugs and alcohol, 
get together because in that space, something of what you're describing happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, we we are very transparent and open about our suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's even laughter in the rooms, which I think is wonderful because it chases away uh, you know, the evil one, I think he, mm-hmm. one of the things the evil one hates more than anything else is to be laughed at. Right. Right. Uh, and, right. and, and, you know, we, we, I wish that sometimes this isn't too heavy a critique, but that what happens in the basement of churches happens more upstairs, yeah. you know? Right. Um, but, right. uh, right. well, and not, I think, not so I, much. I think that that whole sense of laughter is, is, is there is a sense in which, um, uh, we, we tend to think, uh, at least in the patients that I work with, there there is this there is this you know we're trained to think in these binary terms, like I'm either suffering or I'm joyful. It's either one or the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of practice or experience being in my pain and experiencing people coming for me in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it does happen, it often catches me by it catches me by surprise. Like, oh my yes. gosh, I'm, I'm in pain and I'm seeing you being compassionate with me or I'm, or, you know, we, we've talked about that and then some, and then laughter breaks out in one of these confessional communities or in, or in one of the 12 step groups in the 12 groups that you're part of. And you're aware that you're, you, you are aware that your suffering has not left the room. Mm-hmm. And yet you are also aware that something has shifted. It's being shaped by the presence of others who are with you, who are with your suffering and there is no condemnation being made of it. Right. Nor uh, the next time that I come back and the suffering still exists, there's no condemnation because of the fact that somehow I haven't like wrapped this problem up, which yet becomes one more way in which we suffer. Like I somehow I need to be able to like no longer ever have this problem. At some point, the problem will no longer be a problem. And if it is, I will then, at some point, I will be too much of a problem for you. Mm-hmm. And my, my suffering, even though you've known about it for, you know, six weeks or six years, at some point, you're going to get tired of me. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, have you, do you know about, um, I'm not going to get this entirely right, but what penguins do when one of the penguins is wounded? I don't. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. So when a penguin is injured, the other penguins, and can't walk, the other penguins come and encircle that penguin tightly, and they walk and carry that penguin along. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. That's the thing right Uh, there. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's uh, sort of a visible expression right. of the gospel and a, partly of the journey you're describing. Now, I have never written a book that wasn't born of my own biography. Mm. And I want to know, I want you to put some wheels on the mm. theories we're talking about and mm. talk to me about your journey mm. uh, into the deepest place of suffering mm. and how you have found hope. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I would say is I, I mentioned earlier this part of me, that there's this part of me that feels, that, that believes he is unwantable. Mm-hmm. 
and and that that is that that is language that I have only recently come to use. I mean, that would be. I mean, I mean, it's like you look back from the time I was a kid. Like there's there's some there's some constitutional things, right? There's some temperamental things about me, kind of mixed in my family of origin. So like it's, it's a mix of things. So it's not like. I mean, I don't have like people to blame about it. Like, oh, but this is my life. This, this is, this is who I am. This part of me that like lives with this, you know, uh, sense. And so I'm working really hard to, um, to convince people not to leave. And the chronicity of that, the, the, that it has been around for such a long time. And my coping strategy, uh, the, 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 the uh, addictions that I've developed to cope with that. Um, I, I think, uh, his, his, is the place like it is the place. And, and there are lots of that, that, that one part of me has tendrils that, that, you know, it goes into all kinds of different places and parts of, of my life where it shows up. And, and, and so I have had over the course of my lifetime, I I've had a number of relationships where people have, been willing, uh, who have been deep. I mean, ours is one. I mean, we, we, we don't have that much contact with each other like person to person in person, like we're not neighbors. We don't, but dude, like when, when we're together, I, I become aware of the part of me that feels uh, like he hasn't had water for three days and is now drinking. Hmm. Like I feel, hmm. and so, and uh, our, our friend, uh, Michael, um, uh, you know, when, when we, when, when in, in his presence, like I've, I've had this experience and, and I have a number of others where, uh, I have to practice allowing them to love me, and that, and and by that, I don't mean just in the abstract, right? I mean, we, I think we all know, like we're talking about embodied somatic experience mm. uh, that such that if if I don't have the felt sense uh, in my chest that I'm loved, if I don't feel it in my chest, it's not yet fully real. Uh, because I'm, because I'm a, like an embodied person. I'm, I'm not ethereal. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an abstract thing. Like, I, like this is, and like the texts tell us that this is what happens to be like, like, it's going to be like super real. And I have to practice for, like, I have to get ready for that. And so, um, in, in looking at this passage in Romans, like this whole notion of attachment, like faith is trusting mm-hmm. that people like that, that Ian actually means what he says. When he tells me that he loves me, which is, uh, I, I want to believe that. And I have this part that is like, like just is, is afraid of this. Like, okay, because at what point is Ian going to like say like, you're going to, that part is going to see, like he, he find at some point he's going to find a part of you that like, no, I don't want anything more. And so that, the, the whole notion of glory, uh, the whole notion that this God, God's delight, being willing to allow yourself to receive that. Um, I've been practicing with these people who are in my life, allowing that to happen. Uh, but it, it, but it's like a full-time job. Yeah. It is a full-time job all the time. And I, I would also say that, um, part of my experience where this has become more real, you know, in the last six years, as we've been doing this work in these confessional communities, as we're like, I dude, like I watched transformation happen with people. Uh, because th- they're in the room, like it's live action. It's happening in the room. It's not because they've read something. It's not because they just heard something. It is because they are doing the work with other people, allowing themselves to be loved, and then going home and practicing that, applying that in real time and space. Um, and so when I watch that with other people, like if they like, okay, uh, I, I now bring I bring Ian to mind. I bring Michael to mind. I bring my friends, 
you know, Neil and the others to mind that I'm, and so I, 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 I want others to have that experience. Mm. I don't know if this answers mm. your question or not. Is yeah, that- it does. And, and I, I know your story a little bit and, and, uh, the, the, you know, your own experience of suffering as a child and, and, uh, in relationships and in, in the, in your family, et cetera. And so, but as a four, just sort of, just, just, just touching back on the ball of the, <laughs> of the Enneagram, right? Like you're doing what you're built to do. Like, like, uh, mm. fours, have this ability to illuminate redemption in the places of suffering for mm. other people. Like mm. we are comfortable in those spaces, mm. in those darker spaces. Fours mm. can be docents for other people. They can be guides with other people mm. to say, okay, look, we're going to go to some place that you either don't want to acknowledge or you know is there and you don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to make it okay. Come on, we can we can do this together. Mm-hmm. I've already been there. Mm-hmm. I know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and between the two of us, we're, we're going to make it. I, I would also say you described the inner experience of four several times beautifully, which is this sense that there is something fundamentally broken inside of us that renders us unworthy of love and relationship mm-hmm. and that uh, makes us feel like we have to compensate somehow for the missing piece mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the world mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in order to ever mm-hmm. belong mm-hmm. because everyone else seems to have the missing piece except us. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it brings up envy and it brings up insecurity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it brings up uh, a host of things. And finally, I'd say, as a result, and you referenced this, there's this voice in our head, and that's called the defense mechanism of the four, which is introjection. Mm-hmm. We have an introject, right? We have an inner voice. And that voice is always sort of uh, whispering and, uh, you know, uh, as I like to say, uh, in the sunless realm just beyond our consciousness sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just whispering mm-hmm. into our ears, mm-hmm. you will never belong. You yeah. are, there's something broken, uh, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I do think, I mean, I, I will say this, the, you know, um, in, in, especially in these, uh, corporate settings of these confessional communities, uh, it, it, it would appear to me that, um, no matter where folks would land on the Enneagram in terms of, you know, kind of how their, how their, how their numbers shake out, uh, it appears to me that everybody has some version of this. Mm-hmm. Everybody's walking around with some version of this, uh, where, as we talked about in the last time we were together, this this notion that shame uh, is no respecter of persons. Um, it like it it's an equal opportunity investor, and this um, uh, it I think it shows up in different ways in you know in different kind of personality expressions. And I, and I, my, my sense is that, uh, you know, so, so we have our various, each, each, each numbered person would have various ways of, uh, kind of either accommodating that or coping with that or trying to find a way to not pay attention to it, to protect against yes. it in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I agree. And that's a very interesting idea. And we can explore this on a later show, maybe. But if you think about it, the unconscious strategies of each of the types could represent a trauma response to this to suffering, right? And uh, mm-hmm. a way to escape, re 
traumatized states, right? So in other words, if you're a one on the Enneagram and you have a need to perfect yourself, others in the world, mm-hmm. that in itself can become a strategy to avoid suffering, right? And, and right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. I could go through all the types. Um, well, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's fair to say that, right? I mean, there, you know, when, when we may have talked about this before, this notion that when, you, when you're looking at, you know, Genesis 3, my uh, my take is that there there was a wounding that shame was in play be, you know long before any fruit gets eaten and so this thing mm-hmm. that is both clearly beautiful to the eye for wisdom for nourishment uh i take it as uh because because there's something beautiful about it and because it is a, a coping strategy it is a way for me to cope with what I'm mm-hmm. experiencing in this conversation in which I'm being essentially told that God doesn't really love me nearly as much as I'd like to believe that he does and the wounding that's taking place in that context. And I, I, I that makes sense to me in this, that, you know, each of the, each of the, of the, of the Enneagram types uh, is going to have their own particular way of coping with this wound uh, in which their strengths get hijacked and become hypertrophied in no small part as a way to also, yeah, just to cope with. Yes. It's really painful. Hey, everybody. One of the lessons I've learned over the years is that not everybody benefits from a traditional 50-minute counseling session. And this is why some people can go to couples therapy or personal counseling for a long time and never really get anywhere. This is why I'm such a believer of intensive counseling and my friends at Restoring the Soul in Colorado, created by my longtime friend Michael Cusick to help couples or individuals experience deep change and have day blocks over one or two weeks. Now listen, if you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to experience breakthrough, you need to get in touch with my friend Michael and his extraordinary team of counselors at Restoring the Soul. If you're looking to get out of the rut you're in, but can't wait months or years, call Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation with Michael's staff. Call 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can help you. As a special bonus, just for Typology listeners, make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com slash typology to download their PDF called Five Ways Unaddressed Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationships. Let's just talk for a minute uh, about addictions. Yeah. Because as you know, this is an area of great interest and it's something for me and it's something that I'm presently on a, on a project working on very, very deeply. And, and that is, you know, um, we, we tend to think of uh, addictions on a moral, as a, as a kind of a moral failure, um, which I, I deeply resist as an idea. I just mm-hmm. think um, they are um, ways of coping with what the Buddhists the, call suffering dukkha, right? Mm-hmm. Which is they would, they would define the word dukkha or suffering as the feeling of not at home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, which I love, and I mm-hmm. think that's a Christian idea the, mm-hmm. that we, uh, like C.S. Lewis would say, you know, we feel exiled from the mm-hmm. that far off country that we have not yet seen, but we mm-hmm. know exists. You know that feeling of just mm-hmm. distress, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, from the from the suffering. And mm-hmm. so, how do addictions play in your understanding of suffering? 
Well, you know, it's, it's, I, was, I was having a conversation earlier this morning with uh, a researcher from the Barna Group, and we're, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing some work around this question of, um, uh, you know, kind of sexual addiction. So for they're partnering with some groups that are doing work on that. And we were, we were talking about this, this idea of, you know, what th- there is this sense, even neurobiologically, in which, you know, as it's often said, you know, once you're smoking more than three cigarettes a day, really what you're doing is just working to prevent withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that at some point, this beha- this behavior, whether it's you know a cognitive behavior, I'm doing it in my head, or it's a f- you know behavior that gets manifested with physical expression, I'm trying to regulate my distressing affect. That's really what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, most of us have the capacity to regulate our distressing affect in certain ways. You know, if I'm hungry, I may have to wait because, you know, I, I notice I'm hungry, but dinner's not coming for a few hours, but I, 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 I can do that. But we get to a point at some point with, with addiction in which something that I have done has both on the one hand created some sense of relief, ecstasy, joy, something very briefly, some dopaminergic activation while at the same time. Uh, protecting me from whatever this distressing thing is in my life. And then I start to use it for all kinds of distressing things. And so it becomes overdetermined. Mm-hmm. And now I'm using it to protect me against all kinds of things. And so then when I can't, when I, if I go for a period of time and I have any distress of any kind, the, the least little bit, if I have access to this thing and I reenact that, I both strengthen my response while at the same time contribute to the continual atrophying of my resilience. Mm. And in that process of becoming more atrophied, I continue to need more and more of my addictive behavior to protect against the weakness. Right. So it's like, if I don't, if I don't walk, I get weaker, which means I need, you know, I need to be pushed around in the wheelchair. And the longer I'm pushed around in the wheelchair, the weaker I get because I'm not walking, which means I need to be continually pushed around in the wheelchair. And this thing becomes this snowball effect. And I mean, I know that that you, that you know this, that the answer to this, the the beginning answer to this has a lot more to do with now being connected with somebody else who's willing to like stop my wheelchair Mm. and say, ah, is, is this what you want? Do you want to be in the wheelchair? And I say, well, no, what I really want is to be delivered from my fear that I can't walk. Like, well, okay, the only way you're going to do that is if you start to practice walking. And the way you're going to have to do that is to get out of the wheelchair. Yep. But I can't do that by myself. I need Ian to come and stand and say, here, take my hand. Now you're going to have to, you're going to have to get out of the chair, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to hold you. I'm 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 like the penguins, right? Mm -hmm. The penguin has to be willing to be taken. But as they do, they gradually have more and more, I'm guessing, weight-bearing activity. Mm-hmm. And at some point, so you, for a long time, we're going to, and then at some point, I'm going to recognize that, oh, my problem has not just been my addiction. My problem has been the fact that I have not been loved. Mm-hmm. I have not, I have not been connected. I have not mm-hmm. had, I have not had secure attachment. I have mm-hmm. not been justified. I've had these parts of me that believe that they're a war with God and that's what I've been, that's where all my energy is going. 
I don't, I, and like, oh my gosh, the problem is not the thing that I've been doing wrong. The problem is what I've not had to nourish me. And the more I pay attention to now what is nourishing me, the less and less and less I pay attention to what was siphoning off my energy, my addictive behavior. That doesn't mean that it'll never go away. It'll always be there, right? The only thing that stands between me and disaster after 20 years of sobriety is one drink. All it has to do is like, you know, I'm, I, I, I work at trying to be a person of sexual faithfulness, right? But like, dude, like I go to the beach where people wear less and less and less clothing, like every single summer. It, it's just arousal everywhere. It, and, and like, okay, do I just not go, how, like, it's going to, it's going to show up. And so mm. I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have to be at, at the ready to, to, you know, all the things. Yeah, man. Yeah. Boy, I, I love what I, I got. I, I thought I was just in church when you were talking about the, you know, I, I'm here because I, I have not been loved or nourished correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I want to, next time I'm in a meeting, I'm going to start that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, that, you know, it's not because I'm a bad person. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it, yeah. it really isn't. It, it's not yeah. because I got in a line somewhere and said, gee, I'd really right. like to drink and do drugs to the right. point that right. it wrecks my life today. That's right. You know, it's like, no, man, it's because I, I just, this is my particular way of dealing with this hole in the soul, mm-hmm. this shame, this brokenness, whatever, yeah. uh, and this suffering. Yeah. And I need your help to be in its presence yep. without defaulting yep. to yep. To this false refuge called chemicals, mm. right, or addiction, and and to learn to live with my suffering, with your help and yeah. with your love, yeah. And it's amazing, you know. I was at a meeting last night, and someone got their thirty-three year chip, and you think, okay, this can work, mm. like this could work. Mm. Uh, now, does their suffering go away? Of course not, but they live in a different posture with it, right? Right. Right. You know, I, I, you, you, this whole notion, I, we tell people, look, our, our worst, our worst, uh, our, our most powerful defect, at least seems to me that our most powerful defect as humans, uh, is that I uh, am unwilling to be receptive to love. Mm-hmm. That's my, it's my worst, worst characteristic. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to be condemning, but like the, 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 the most painful, challenging reality of being human is that I am resistant to love. I'm resistant. Now I, I, I will claim all day long. I, I want to be loved. I want you to love me all. But like the reality is the, the reason I don't love people very well is because I can't give what I don't have. And the reason I can't give it is because I don't, it's too, it's too frightening. Mm-hmm. I mean, our wounds take place in the context of intimate relationships. We're not stupid. And so, yes, you say you love me, but there will always, there is this part of me that is like, at what point will, you know, the unwantable, the, uh, whatever it is that I'm working as a one, I'm going to be perfect, right? What, what parts of me are, uh, at the same time that I'm inviting you to come into my house, I'm also saying, yeah, you can stay in the family room, but you cannot come into the basement Mm-hmm. Because I'm afraid of what's what we're what you're going to find and what you're going to do when you go there, and so uh, I, I I tell people a lot of my work is that's why I said earlier, like when you when you said what you said at the top of the show, I'm just like I've got to pause and take this in. Like I have to practice allowing myself to be receptive to this. Mm. It's like in Mark's gospel, uh, the, the only gospel that tells this story about the rich young ruler, where and you know they they're in their, their conversation and Jesus looked at him. And loved him. Luke and Matthew don't record this. Jesus looked at him and loved him, and then said to him, "One thing you lack." And there's the sense in which, oh my gosh, uh, one of a couple things happened. Either a he missed the look, 
or B, the look undid him. Mm. And uh, there's this sense in which what Jesus is asking him to do is, please, um, you got to get rid of your stuff because your stuff represents your conviction that you have to work to get me to love you. Like, you're just really good at, at like, because you asked, like, what do I have to do to inherit? Like, inheritance, what, like, you don't do anything. Somebody has to die. Like, even the way you ask the question, like, it presumes that, like, you're going to have to work to have me want to be in the room with you. I just want you to get rid of that that gets that's in between you and me and come and hang out with me and let me love you. Couldn't do it. Hola, como estas, mi amigo Antonio? <laughs> Hey, buddy, you know I've been preparing to move to Mexico in August, right? Oh, yeah. You've been busy getting everything ready to go, got your house sold. How do you keep the stress away, Ian? I'll tell you how. I've started Next Evo Naturals Stress Complex, which combines ashwagandha and CBD to soothe away my stress. It's been a great way, brother, to keep my stress in check with all the moving parts of my schedule right now. Oh, that's so good to hear. And I know they're all natural products. They're even backed by more scientific research than any other CBD brand. Mm -hmm. Developed by experienced consumer healthcare and pharmaceutical professionals. Dude, these people do their research. They have done four clinical trials and tested their products multiple times to ensure you get 100% of what's on that label. That's what I like. Mm -hmm. And all their products are available in multiple forms, such as great tasting gummies, easy to swallow capsules, and convenient chewable mints, so you can take them on the go, Anthony. Me, personally, I take the gummies because they're quick and they are convenient. I like the gummies too. Mm. All right, everybody, stay well this summer with Smarter CBD from Next Evo Naturals. Go to nextevo.com slash typology podcast to get 25% off plus a free bottle of premium pure CBD, which is a $50 value. Of course, limit one use per customer. That's Next Evo, N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com slash Typology Podcast. You, we, we've referenced this Bible passage, and I, I, I just want to take a second and read it as a way to uh, lead us into a question. And you, you, this is a big, big focus in the book, Romans 5, right? Mm. 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope it does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Kurt, hope, hmm. hope, hope, hope. Hmm. Hmm. Big, big thing. It's in our title here, right? Mm. Uh, the transformation. Uh, talk to me about the relationship of suffering and, and hope and why it's such a big deal in this book. Yeah. Um, people who are familiar with this passage are easily, usually uh, mostly familiar with the third verse, right? Suffering produces perseverance, produces character, produces hope. And I think it's significant that we pay attention to what precedes it, this notion of the attachment of faithfulness and embodiment and glory because hope as it turns out 
if we think about hope, if I like, I will, I, I hope to uh, have Chinese uh, for, for dinner tonight. Like I hope, like I hope to do that. I hope uh, that my, uh, my, I hope that my son uh, is able to return safely from his vacation in Europe. I hope this is about future state. Number one, it's about future states. Hope from a neurobiological standpoint, it, it is about my anticipation of a future. It's number one. Number two, my anticipation of a future is always something that I'm remembering. Mm. I only anticipate a future that I manufacture out of experiences thus far in the past. That's how hope, that's how all of our anticipatory networks work. I'm always anticipating something out of the story that I've constructed thus far. And so this is the mm. first thing that we mm. recognize is that hope is a thing that we form. I'm forming hope primarily because what I experience, I pay attention to, what I pay attention to, I remember, and what I remember becomes my anticipated future. And if I only understand my suffering as this felt sense of me being alone with my pain and no one is coming for me, that's not going to produce a very hopeful future because all I will have is a series of moments in which that's what I'm experiencing and that will be the basis on which I anticipate the future. Mm -hmm. If I have moments in which I'm in the middle of suffering and you come to find me and you don't leave the room, for an extended period of time, it creates an opportunity for me to have literally multiple moment after moment after moment after moment after moment. Even when I keep telling you about this story that won't leave me alone and you don't leave the room, I keep waiting for you to like tell me like, I'm kind of really ready for you to be done talking about that. And that doesn't happen and that surprises me. And what does that do? That gives me in the middle of my suffering that gives me in, in my in, like in my chest i feel myself being loved and i'm going to take that in and that is neurally that begins to interdigitate with the neural networks that represent my pain and it begins to shape the way i literally tell the story about the pain i'm experiencing because now mm. you are in the middle of it you like you've waited right you like you're climbing right into the middle of all that if i collect Many moments like that, those moments begin to dictate how I will anticipate a future. And so that if my pain is still with me in a week or in a month or in a decade, but I'm also recognizing that you are with me, it shifts the nature of how I tell the story about the meaning of what this suffering is all about. Mm -hmm. Suffering at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's just a lot that is bound up in the very, very brief statement when Jesus, when God observes the man in the garden in Genesis 2, 18, and says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I guess that is not going to be okay. It's not enough. It's not enough. And suffering is, as we talk about in the book, this whole notion of my, percep my perception that I'm alone with my pain. Hmm. And so suffering is a direct function of the degree to which I am isolated with my pain. If I practice allowing myself, uh, if, if, if I practice allowing others to be with me, it changes the nature of how I practice anticipating the future. Mm. And this is how we say like, I don't form hope for me. We form hope for me. We form hope for you. When Paul's writing this, he's writing this to a community of people. 
like hope is a thing that we collectively formed. It's all like, it's all very Trinitarian. And it's like this thing that like Jesus can be hopeful about his future because somebody else is going to raise him from the dead. He's not coming back on his own. And, 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 and it takes a long time. Like, and I, and you know, that part of, part of the challenges too, Ian, is that we, we live in a world that is actively training us and forming us to not delay gratification. And so mm -hmm. we become increasingly unable to do that. It trains me to believe that I should be able to have whatever I want, however I want it, whenever I want it, which means when that doesn't happen, I become anxious and distressed. And that I, I feel I, like I feel distressed. And now I'm like, and so I, be, there's a certain suffering in that, but that suffering isn't because like a bad thing is happening. That suffering is happening because I'm being trained to believe that I live in a world that doesn't actually exist. Mm. And that's a, and, and that is a huge inertial force to try to have to overcome, which is why being in a confessional community, being in a 12 step group, being in a community of people who become this bulwark, this like literally this from a neurobiological standpoint, this mass effect, this like the physics of increasingly massed effort of connection. Mm -hmm. the, so the countermands this part of me that says I'm not okay. Right. And therefore I won't be okay. So for me, one of the gifts that has been given to me is that my suffering became public, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's somebody wakes up and says, you know, Ian, <laughs> we need to do something mm -hmm. about your way of coping with suffering. And, and I was blessed with a place that I could go for 30 days and begin to look at what was the, you know, and I had a community and people that, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I have an ongoing community. So I feel fortunate. But the majority of people don't have confessional communities. They don't. They don't have people suffer alone, or you know, they go to church. And by the way, I mean, let's face it: religion is one of the greatest ways in the world to bypass suffering. Yeah, it always like, has been. I see. Yeah, I mean, and I just sometimes I go to churches where the 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 amount of energy being expended to experience joy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or or avoidance of pain, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, is ex mm -hmm. is extraordinary, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. and I, I would say that where do you know where do people find or how do they form the kind mm -hmm. of communities you talk about mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they're you know, their neurobiology, everything mm -hmm. can be mm -hmm. changed as a result of sharing their suffering and, and having other penguins get around them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, this is a, it's, it's a reasonable and common question that is asked, where can I find this? And I think the fact and, and to, to which I would say it's a completely reasonable question. And then I would say, well, actually in the spirit of formation, uh, they aren't things that you're probably easily going to find as much as they are things that you're going to form. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, this is part of what it means for us to enter into our suffering. That this, this is included, is this? Like, it is the very fact that you can get a copy of the book or you can get a copy of the book, The Soul of Desire, and, and you can say like, I want you to find one person and then a second mm -hmm. person. And I want you to begin to practice what we talk about. You know, you can you can get some online training for this. That you, that you can, and by training, it doesn't take a year to train. Like that, you can start to do this thing. You can get into the foothills of this kind of work, and it is uh, so foreign to us. And 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 Ian, I mean, you're right in that 
so much of uh, I, I love uh, Leslie Newbegin's take in his in his commentary on the Gospel of John about um, in all of all the ways that we humans uh, uh, work to make ourselves God. Uh, in no way do we do it more uh, um, enthusiastically than through our religious experience. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of using that experience as a way for us to come together and say. Uh, we are a broken lot and uh, we want to put all that brokenness in the room in order for the spirit in the bodied in, in the embodied space of each other uh, give us the opportunity to practice uh, allowing ourselves to be loved uh, and we're going to do that and we're going to do it imperfectly and we're going to step on people's toes and we're, there's going to be ruptures that we're going to work to repair and this is all going to be a rather messy process and we're going to have the communion that sits in the middle because like, oh, the communion, what does that do? Oh, oh that represents the messy process, mm-hmm. right? It is, it is like it's body and blood because about crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It's not a Tesla. We don't put, we don't put a Tesla in the middle of the room, right? We, we, we put the elements in the middle of the room mm-hmm. that remind us of the reality of the world in which we are living and that Jesus is here to invite us to live in the real world. And, uh, and so we would want our, our listeners, we would say, okay, we want you to find two people and I want you to begin to practice this, begin mm-hmm. to practice this and do not be afraid. So, you know, to Beekner's quote, beautiful and terrible things, well, like it's going to be hard and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not worried about our becoming perfect on time. Mm-hmm. He's not worried about that. He's the one who will perfect. He, he just wants us to be in the game. And so much of our trouble is like, we're, we're just, I, I'm burning lots of energy, like circling the stadium, driving around. Yeah, I'm at the game. I'm at the game. I'm at the game. I might even come into the stands, but please don't ask me to get on the field. I'd like to somehow become a professional human being without having to get on the field that will actually require me to do what is necessary to become a professional human being. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Hey, everybody, I want to remind you, we're speaking with my friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson, MD, The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. I, I You know, Kurt, I mean, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I just want to say that this book, in, in, to my thinking, is, is so important uh, in the age in, in which we find ourselves, you know, I was w- walking down the street the, the other day and I saw a little kid with a onesie on and on the front of it, it said, I'm the reason my mother drinks wine. And I thought to myself, mm, mm. you know, it's, it's too bad you, you know, it was something to that effect. It was something, you know, a little bit of a winky thing, you know, right. and, and, uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. we do live in a culture that is trying everything it can to uh, avoid uh, suffering. And uh, boy, I, I see that in my own life so, so very clearly. And, mm. and, uh, mm. and so we need to figure this out because mm. I think mm. one of the ways that the church can be a presence, a prophetic presence in the world is if it can teach themselves and others how to suffer well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the job of parents, right? To teach your kids how to suffer well. Right? Dude. Truer word, not ever spoken. Right, right on. Yeah, right on. So I, I just want to encourage everybody to read and and digest mm-hmm. and then practice, like get on the field with the mm-hmm. things that 
that Kurt is saying in the deepest place, suffering and the formation of hope. Kurt, I know that uh, we'll put all the ways that people can find you, you know, social media handles and website and book link and all that stuff in the show notes, man. I love you. Thank you for being here, dude. I, um, hmm. Hmm. I, the, the whole thing about, uh, hmm. well, just, I, sorry, I don't mean to be like taking up all this extra space. I'm, I'm just really aware of, uh, like I, I think the work that you're doing is you're really inviting people to live in the real world, mm. and you know the real world. Uh, if we if if we if if we try to imagine entering into the world real world through the lens of how we typically operate in the mm-hmm. in the fake world that we're creating, like that's mm-hmm. that's going to be terrifying because we don't imagine like how how are you going to do that. Um, but I hear you saying, no, come, come be with me in the real world, which is what I think we're saying about all of our suffering. Hmm. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come be with me because I'm coming to be with you. Mm-hmm. I'm already in those spaces in, in those rooms, in your house where your suffering lurks that you've been working so hard to avoid. Mm-hmm. I'm already there. I'm waiting. And I want you to know that I'm not a worried, I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid of it. You're not unwantable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not only that, like I really want you to no longer burn all that energy that you spend containing and hiding from and uh, you know, getting rid of your suffering because that's energy that I we can't we, we, we can't access for you to create beauty and goodness in the world mm-hmm. now that's I don't just want you to behave well I want you to create and curate the beauty in the world that mm-hmm. you were made to create before I even thought of the world mm-hmm. so I like I think that what you're doing here with your work is is doing that you're inviting people to come into the real world with you and so you're not just telling people what to do you're inviting people into a space where we're saying we want to do this and we can't do it very well by ourselves and like thanks be to God uh, we're not going to mm-hmm. well well uh, again Kurt thank you we we love you in typology friends what more can I say except may you have love may you have joy may you have peace may you have healing may you have hope and may you have rest until next time 